Welcome to the Workplace Wellbeing Podcast. The podcast for wellbeing professionals that looks at best practices in organisations that care about their people and which keeps an eye on the growing number of suppliers in the wellbeing space. The Workplace Wellbeing Podcast is sponsored by FastPayE, a financial wellbeing solution that facilitates flexible salary advances. It also provides access to financial education, a benefits assessment calculator, and a host of other financial well-being tools. FastPayE is part of the WorkTech group that includes ShopWorks Workforce Solutions and Solved by AI. ShopWorks offers scheduling and time and attendance tools that improve your workforce management processes, whilst Solved by AI provides unique artificial intelligence products that deliver optimum staffing levels and improve employee retention. Hi, and welcome to the Workplace Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Ian Hogg, Chairman of FastPay. Today, I'm very pleased to be joined by Lynn Yap, the author of The Altruistic Capitalist. Lynn's book is about leaders creating a positive impact and profit. She discusses leaders who increase employee engagement, increase brand value through innovative products, and create social impact by focusing on purpose. Lynn is also the founder of Activate Network, whose mission is to increase the participation of women in technology and entrepreneurship. In today's episode of the Workplace Wellbeing Podcast, I want to discuss the ideas in Lynn's book, and in particular, how business can justify an altruistic approach and the impact on well-being of taking such an approach. Hi, Lynn. Hello, Ian. Listen, welcome. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Listen, we, all, we always start the same way, so we're not going to change it now. Why don't you just um, talk the listeners a bit about your background and expand on all your experiences. Of course. So um, I'm the author of The Altruistic Capitalist. Uh, it's a book about leadership mindsets, how leaders can create a positive impact on their communities and the environment while creating sustainable businesses. Um, the, I'm also the managing director of Activate Network, and this organization works with companies to increase the participation of women in leadership and technology roles. Now, how, how both of these came about was I um, have a very traditional business background. I have an MBA from the Wharton School. I worked in investment banking. Um, but what I found was a lot, there was a lot of focus on um, profits and thinking only about the bottom line. And so I left, um, I left that world and started to explore and learn a little bit more about what else business can do um, to improve not only employee well-being, but also to create a positive impact on uh, our communities, on the environment uh, and, and the people around us. Okay, no, fa- fascinating background. Is that, is that why you wrote the book? Is it targeted at you know, a- educating uh, employees or employers? What's the reason behind it? I think the altruistic capitalist is the book for everyone who's interested in how businesses can play a role. And that is, doesn't matter if you're um, a, a junior employee or the head of the company. I think we all have a part to play. And it's, I, I would like to see it as an inspiration piece. How is it that we can um, use some of the um, concepts behind the research that I did uh, how people are implementing some of the some of these traits into day-to-day practices and putting purpose at the heart of everything that they do. So we have meaningful work 
um, there is better employee well-being in the workplace, uh, and you know we we can also grow our business profitably at the same time. Okay, and you you said you did research, so so this isn't just your opinion. You you know you took us through the research you did to to come up with a book. Yes, of course. Um, I interviewed, so I look first at nonprofits. I also look at people who invest in uh, companies or investors. I talk to private companies, startups, uh, people who work in larger corporates as well, um, and what they thought about the importance of let's call this stakeholder capitalism, which is opposite from shareholder capitalism, which is focused on growing profits, um, growing profits quarter after quarter, year after year. Stakeholder capitalism is about having an impact for all shareholders. So that is employees, um, investors, supply chain partners, um, the environment, and also our customers, of course. And what I got was there were three things that emerged from the research and interviews that I conducted with them. uh, And that is leaders, um, the companies that succeeded in creating this multiple impact for all the stakeholders. They um, have mindfulness at the heart of their business. They're you know, have very strong levels of empathy amongst their employees. They're very curious. They ask a lot of questions before jumping to conclusions to solve problems. And finally, they also have a very collaborative business environment. Traditionally, um, you know, we think about how uh, we would try to edge out the competition and um, and try to to one up everyone else. But we are seeing that how we can we can are able to create better solutions to solve global problems is to collaborate with each other. And we saw this during um, the COVID nineteen pandemic, where people were sharing knowledge, sharing technology to come up with vaccine solutions in record time that we didn't see before. So that was also uh, another point of inspiration for me. Well, imagine what problems we can solve if our public and private um, institutions came together to solve some of the pressing uh, pressing issues that we have in the world, whether it's related to inequality or climate change. Okay, no, listen, fascinating. And, and could you just, you know, if, if somebody was to look to read it, could you give her like a one minute description of you know, what the book contains? Is it just about why we should do that? Or is it about how we should um, be altruistic? So I start with uh, why. Uh, I, I generally believe uh, we should know why is it that we're doing. So, yes, there was the, the piece about why we do need to do it and why now as well. Um, and so part of the some of the reasons why we have to do it right now is well climate change is is really at its tipping point and we do need to act right now so i cover some of the reasons of why stakeholder capitalism is important and why it's important to do it right now and then the majority of the book let's say the two-thirds of the book then covers um what are these uh, different mindsets that uh, I, I mentioned earlier which is of mindfulness curiosity, collaboration. And I, in, in under each of these mindsets, I, um, I, I pull out the different stories that I, uh, that I, that I gathered from the interviews I had with um, corporate executives, startup founders, startup uh, social entrepreneurs, and shared, um, and shared what are the, some of the things that they do on a day-to-day basis in order to create the impact, uh, not just from a financial perspective, but also 
uh, from a community and environment perspective. I mean, it's it's some of the some of the concepts in your book um, and the stuff you've just been saying to us sounds very similar to some of the concepts that Simon Sinek. Uh, I'm sure you I'm sure you know him. He, he wrote "Start with Why" and "The Infinite Game." Mm. Um, how would you say your 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 book differs from the sort of work that Simon's been doing? A uh, very good question. Um, I I think there are a lot of similarities um, to to his book. Um, start with why. I think it's very important to start with purpose. Um, there is also another book um, that I quite like. Uh, it's Hubert Jolie's book. He was the CEO, ex CEO of Best Buy. He led the turnaround of the electronics retailer. And I think it's very important when we are creating um, multiple stakeholder impact to focus on purpose. Because when we put uh, purpose at the heart of our business, and that's um, the title of Hubert Jolie's book, um, that is how we are able then to create a win-win uh, a win-win um, solution for, for all of them, not just for investors, not just for shareholders, um, not just focusing on financial profit. So I, I think when we start with purpose, we're able to be more creative and come up with solutions that can help um, our employees do meaningful work, um, uh, be more sustainable, perhaps even uh, have regenerative businesses on the environment and not just using up the environment. No, this is good to hear. Um, you know, this is a well-being podcast. It's about workplace well-being. So, you know, I'd, I'd be keen to get your thoughts on, you know, in, in your book, you mention employee well-being is the starting point for stakeholder capitalism. Um, I'd love, you know, I wonder if you could expand on that a bit for the listeners. Mm-hmm, of course. Um, now, stakeholder capitalism is trying to balance the multiple uh, stakeholders in, in the business. And it's sometimes a little bit difficult I propose sometimes to I, I propose actually to start with employees um, putting their well-being at uh, at the center of it because I think because what a business is made up of are, are your employees and if they are well taken care of um, they understand their purpose and um, they feel empowered they feel um, engaged in what they're doing I think that is when we are able to create um, I think that's when we are able to create that that multiple uh, impact, triple impact, whether it's on um, the environment, whether it's creating um, more creative solutions for our customers um, or, you know, creating a positive impact for our communities. So I think that is where, where that is where business leaders can start. How is it that we can empower our employees? How is it that we can take care of them, improve their well-being? Because that is when we will start to see it permeate through the other areas of our um, of our businesses. And I would love to hear your thoughts because uh, you're an expert on well-being and how you've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I'm 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 getting there. I've I've you know having done quite a few of these podcasts, I'm I'm I've got I've I'm becoming more expert listening to other experts educate me. What's interesting about what you're saying there is um, sometimes I hear people say that purpose um, leads to well-being, and other. And other times people say, if you get the well-being right, then, mm-hmm. you know, it's easier to deliver on the purpose. People are happier. And if the purpose is, you know, improving the environment or sharing resources more fairly, um, which which would you put it? Is it or, or do you think that it's a sort of a, a, a cycle? Perhaps it is a little bit of a cycle. Um, but I, I, I would perhaps say... Um... Perhaps I'll, I'll lead with, um, to start with, with why, to start with a purpose. I think if we know 
what is it that we're doing, um, uh, why we're doing something that's where we will have better well-being. Uh, we will feel a little bit better. It's something um, that is um, at the foundation of our happiness, um, something that, that is not just um, short-term, but something more longer-term If we, when we know why we're doing something. Yeah, no, I, 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 I tend to agree. I think this, my view, having listened to people and my own experience, it, it seems like a cycle to me. Is if you, if you start with some purpose, then you're more likely to, you know, your staff are more likely to be engaged in achieving that purpose, which is good for their well-being. And then, if you focus on their well-being, they're they're more likely to be fit and healthy and and ready to achieve that mm-hmm. purpose. So I, I do think there's a there's an element of cycle in this. Yes, there is. What about sort of, you know, responsibility for this? And because you talk about the difference between stakeholder and shareholder capitalism. And, mm-hmm. you know, the if, if we're speaking to the finance director who normally signs off on this sort of stuff, um, they've got pressures from shareholders and, and you know, there, there, are, there are quite often costs in this. Um, you know, what, what, you know, how do you, if, if I was a finance director challenging you on this, yeah, how how would you discuss it with me? What what's what argument would you make on why I should be you know investing money in altruism rather than just getting a return for the shareholders? Uh, I think the finance director, the CFO, always ends up being the bad guy because the person always ends up having to say no. Uh, but that is the beauty of having uh, people involved in covering different interests in a in a company where you. You know, you, you bring up different perspectives and different interests. Now, I don't think there is um, anything wrong with looking at the business case of, of um, initiatives of different projects, the cost of different things. I think there has to be discipline, being purpose driven or being um, looking at employee well-being, um, have, prioritizing that doesn't mean that you ignore financial discipline. So uh, there we should look at the business case. What is the return that we can expect on, on some of the initiatives that we're thinking about, whether it's related to sustainability for the environment or employee well-being. But then on the other side, what is the longer term social impact? What is the social impact case, if, if you will? Um, how, how will we... Uh, how do we measure that? Because some of that is not really measurable. How do you me- measure the happiness of one person versus the other? And oftentimes, when we look at business cases as well, um, it's fairly short term. It's maybe thinking about it in, in 12 months. Um, a lot of our budgeting systems don't take into consideration the returns that happen over multiple years and things such as the health of um, uh, the he- someone's health or whether it's creativity, one, it's not measurable. And second, some of that takes a longer time to gestate in order to see the benefits um, the be- benefits return to the organization. So whether you're investing in um, learning and development for, for, um, for an employee, for instance, for, for the workforce, you might not see that come back um, to, to the organization until much later. So uh, um, I would propose in terms of um, balancing the um, costs, balancing the costs um, should be looked at with social impact and social impact from the long term as well. Because you might end up with having to deal with some of the longer term costs later on. So I would encourage um, 
finance directors also look at that from not just a 12-month perspective, but also a multi-year perspective. No, I think that's a very good point. And I think your last point there about the costs is, you know, if, uh, I'm sure we can all think of an example where we've had a year's budget to do mm-hmm. and, um, you know, you're asking people not to take leave to get things over the line. And and, and that's probably a, a simple thing, but I'm sure there's lots of other examples that are, mm-hmm. that are just as bad. Mm-hmm. So, no, I, I think that's a very, very valid point that, um, there are there are long term costs, like you say, to the environment, to mm-hmm. people's health, yes. um, to the bit to the brand as well. You know, if you do short term stuff over one year, you, you can damage your own brand. Indeed, yeah, and then you can't actually recoup. Um, you can't actually change some of that. You can't reverse some of the damage that you do if you take shortcuts. Um, and and whether it's damage to to the brand value or damage to environment, um, raw materials could. Uh, raw material cost could increase very much so while you're saving today in five years time you might be suffering a lot more that you can't um, change anymore yeah no i i I think uh you know i I think having listened again listened to a few people on the podcast discussing these sort of subjects i i think that it's it's not either or it's both you 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 have to as a company you have to focus on delivering a profit but you, you you've got multiple requirements, multiple objectives, and one of them is you know is the stakeholder capitalism element of it and well being, and they're not they're not you know mutually exclusive. Um, but I don't I also don't happen to think having listened to quite a lot of people that just by getting well being right you make more profit. You know I think you have to focus on both areas mm-hmm. uh, and put a lot of effort into both. Um, mm-hmm. And. Nobody said running a business was easy either, did they? So, no. no. And do you give in your book? Do you give advice to say if I was a if I was a CEO and you know I wanted to make a move towards a more um, altruistic um, model? Um, do you give advice on how I could go down that route? You know, and uh, and could you expand on some of that for the listeners on you know advice to a hypothetical C- CEO that wants to move? more down the altruistic capital route Mm -hmm. I I would say the first step is always to find out your why find out your purpose and to that end it should not be something that is top down where you know he sits in his little room with or maybe with with some of the senior executives and come up with a fancy powerpoint that is then delivered um, throughout the organization I think what is more helpful and what's more useful is to speak to the different stakeholders. So that could even be speaking to some of your supply chain partners. What is it important about what the company is doing? What's delivering value to them? Speak to key employees and not, not um, just senior executives, but everyone across the organization and across functions, maybe across geographies as well, depending, depending on the company. And when you have all of that data, you are able then to understand what is it? Why is it that the company exists? How is it that the company can deliver value? Um, and when you have that exercise, I think then you can develop a strategy that can be turned into delivering better products, better services, maybe even innovating on new products and services that deliver to that purpose. So I would go back again to you know, speak, go and speak to your key stakeholders, understand 
why is it that the company exists? Okay, well, actually, it sounds like you know, in FastPay and and the WorkTech Group, which owns it, we're about we've got three founders, which I'm one of, and mm-hmm. there's about 60, 60 odd of us. Um, we actually got out. We got the we had a team of about fifteen come up with the values mm-hmm. and the purpose in two separate sort of sessions. Oh, you know, uh, two to you know projects really over a couple of months. Um, and actually, we we excluded all but one of the founders, um, so I wasn't involved in it. And actually, the team came up with it, and and we all bought into it. Um, is that is, are we are we benchmark there? Are we? Do you think? <laughs> that sounds that sounds perfect. And my question then is, how has that? Um, evolved in in the organization did did um, the strategy evolve um, did some of the processes change because I'm um, going back to what I mentioned before about um, you know with the with the finance director where you know but budget processes at the moment typically are 12 months do you did you then change some of your processes for instance to all right maybe we should start looking at budget uh, returns on on initiatives that are longer than than say twelve months. So did um, after after you developed that purpose, did some of the strategy or the processes change? That's that's a really good question. So um, we that part of our objectives each year include reviewing and renewing our purpose. Okay, so the the team do look at it to see whether we're um, whether we're meeting it and whether we are um, whether it needs renewing or not okay so that that's a process we do um, and I think probably we probably haven't got a link between you know whether our processes are changing as a result of that I think we you know we're, we're relatively you know 60 people we're not the biggest company on the planet um, but I do think we've got a sort of a we we like continuous improvement so you know I I, I think it it does impact other things we do, but we probably haven't made a and documented a link between the two. Does that answer? Do you think that I've answered the question there, or have I avoided it? Uh, no, I, I know that that's that's perfect. Uh, I'm going to have a, one more follow up. Um, has how has communication changed or engagement changed with um, with employees since then? Uh, I think. Um, again communication is one of those things where we we try and continually improve so we um yeah and some of it's been led from the you know me doing the podcast because i learn things on the podcast and then we try i I at least try and put some of them in practice um, even if i fail miserably sometimes so i think communication is something we would have in our continuous improval process so we have a uh an independent coach that comes in that would speak to people and would up you know the it gets independent input without people having to feed it back to us, to the founders. Mm-hmm. And quite often the feedback communication is nearly always one of the top three things, no matter how hard you try it, you're never doing it enough. So I think we have a natural process to improve the communication um, mm-hmm. and the negative scores drop over a period of time. So I do think we are improving it. Mm-hmm. And in terms of engagement, again, I think, um, you know, we almost look, look again. That's a, a thing where we're looking to continuously improve that as well. So, I, but we probably haven't linked those improvements to the to the purpose. I think you know we we we've probably got lots of different streams of things we're trying to improve all the time, um, 
and you know, maybe we we should be mapping them at you know linking them together i suppose mm -hmm. i mean the in the end all these improvements must be uh, improving morale with the uh, with employees as well because that is they will see themselves grow as the organization grows and evolves at the same time so i applaud uh, the efforts and all the investment that's going into that yeah, I'm not sure if it improves morale or whether they think Ian's got another crazy scheme after he's spoken to somebody on a podcast. <laughs> it's like, oh no, oh no, he's, they listen to the podcast and well, that's coming our way next. Um, so, uh, so yeah, hopefully it's, some of it improves morale. And um, yeah, mm -hmm. unfortunately, I'm probably not the best judge of that. We'd have to you know, do, do another survey or, or, or question. Um, listen, that's really good to. Um, to, to get some questions come back the other way, Lynn. That's uh, you know nice little live test case there um, for, for the things in your book. Um, one thing as we, we sort of come towards the end of the podcast is you know I always look for um, you know a, a recommendation from from particularly you know authors because I'm sure you've done a lot of research around books in the subject. But what book or media is giving you most inspiration at the moment? Um, I can recommend a book that most recently inspired me uh, and that's a book by scott harrison he's the founder of charity water and the book is called thirst uh, he was essentially a nightclub promoter um, living the high life um, in new york for 10 years and then he founded this this charity that builds wells to deliver water to remote villages um, around the world um, so that was um, that was quite inspirational for me. The the things that um, how we can actually uh, evolve and grow um, to create good in the world. Well, wow, that sounds like some um, some change of um, change of tack. Um, we'll definitely make sure there's a, a a reference to that in the the footnotes as well as to your book. Um, you know, and um, and also if if you're happy, we'll put your LinkedIn contacts on there, Lynn, as well, so people can can reach out to you if they they want to talk to you more about your book yes please happy to do that excellent well listen it's been a pleasure having having you on um nice to have a little bit of um live uh question and answer there about how how we were implementing our own purpose um and yeah you know good luck with the book thank you so much ian thank you so much for having me <laughs>